Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Well, Jack, we, we're, here we are, still marching along through the book of March. Uh, March. March. <laughs> the book of March. We're still in <laughs> chapter 8. That's right. Okay, well, I'm going to finish off the last little tag. You know, the Pharisees have been beating Jesus up, asking for a miraculous sign after he's been whopping them over the head with thousands of miraculous signs. And he these, left them. These guys are just blind. Yeah. He said, I refuse so to have that spiritual he, discussion. He, I'm out of here. He got back in the boat. And he left them. Yeah. Exactly. And he crossed to the other side of the lake. You know, I, th- I have to think that part of the reason why Jesus set his ministry up around Capernaum is because it's like he's got a getaway. Oh, yeah. He's got it's that like, lake. It's he's like, okay, let's go, boat. boys. <laughs> Hop in the boat. Yeah, get away. It's like uh, sub- the subway. That's right. So here we are. Mark chapter 8, verse 14. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. <laughs> These guys... Okay, what did you do with the seven baskets full of leftovers that you just had? Are they just hungry pigs? Did they eat it all? Did they give it away? We don't know. But it says they had forgotten to bring any food. (laughs) They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. (laughs) At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Are you stupid? No, he didn't say that. I'm just reading it. Sorry. You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. (laughs) Don't you understand yet? (laughs) Okay, so let's ask ourselves, don't we understand yet? Yeah. Jesus is speaking about spiritual things. Right. And the disciples are thinking about physical things. Okay. (laughs) You you either get into this understanding of the spirituality and the spiritual nature of, of Christianity and Jesus, or you just live it on the physical plane. And it over and over again, these stories Mark is using and Jesus is using to try to focus us as his disciples on spiritual things, on spiritual life, on eternal life, on heaven. And we keep thinking about the physical problems. Mm -hmm. I'm sick. I don't feel good. Uh, I don't have all that I need. I want more. I'm not comfortable. I'm not happy. I'm what on and on and on. And uh, what you see happening here is um, they cannot reflect. And so all they're worried about is this bread and how frustrating is that for Jesus. And so he uses kind of another bread analogy in leaven. That's what's happening here, right? You know, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Leaven here, let me just let me just help the folks. Leaven here is not good. 
Okay, leaven in the Bible is not good because it permeates the entire loaf of bread. If you put just a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven, eventually if it gets into the bread, it will permeate the entire loaf of bread and ruin it. The leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy, of Herod is sin, and the sin and hypocrisy, if it gets into your life, will soon permeate your whole life. Because what this leaven does is it introduces fermentation mm-hmm. into the bread, fermentation. So the bread will eventually totally be fermented and you'll have to throw it out, right? It's like getting rotten. That's what happens to food in your refrigerator. And it's just amazing to me that he's trying to teach this, but because of the corrupt human nature, it's difficult for us to go beyond the human nature to the spiritual plane where Jesus wants to take us and to bring us. So they they relied on physical forces, the Pharisees inherited to keep them in power, not spiritual forces. Jesus' power is based on spiritual forces, right? Right. So how do they do it? By lording their authority over people, by lying of Herod, by killing most of his family. Right. Because he's afraid they were going to get some power and take over his power. And so they relied on human power to stay in power. And that's what we do all the time. You know, if uh, you're losing a little um, um, leadership or a position in your place of work, then what do people do? They begin to gossip. They begin to lie. They begin to rail upon other people. They begin to start to vie for the power. And they do that with physical forces. Folks, if you live life according to the Spirit, you live life on a spiritual plane. And that's where Jesus was. And that's where he wanted them to go. Be careful that you don't get this hypocrisy into your life sin into your life, because if you're not careful, it will permeate your entire life. That's, I think, what, what this is kind of saying as far as the leaven is concerned. So what, what are barriers to belief here? Well, barriers to belief is hardness of heart. Right. If you have a hard heart, then you won't believe. That will cause you not to believe. Or I would say even a dullness of heart. Because I think a lot of Christians, their hearts grow dull instead of remaining sharp, you know. And what happens is pretty soon you get sin or hypocrisy into your life. Leaven begins to permeate and now your heart grows hard and like a stone. I I see the the misplaced focus a lot um, in in Christians who are, um, you know, pretty vocal in social media and that kind of thing, because, you know, I think the folks that, you know, are tenderhearted and compassionate, you know, they're not necessarily having to say anything about a particular subject, but the folks who, who squawk and make noise about it are the ones that are really focused on the wrong thing. And what I mean by that is, you know, we get focused on politics, we get focused on morality, uh, we get focused on a particular sin, um, that's a distraction. You know, 
I, I'm not saying we need to justify things that that are sin. I'm not saying that by any means. But um, it's sort of like airing out your dirty laundry because you're not focusing on, on Jesus when you do that kind of thing. Jesus has a tremendous amount of compassion and patience Amen. for us. Um, you know, there are a lot of times where people have tried to put themselves in the place of God. You know, we do it all the time. Um, we, we make our own choices. Um, we'll pray a prayer and we're asking God for something, not because it's in accordance with his will, but, but it's because it's something we want. Maybe we're trying to bend his will uh, rather than trying to be in his will. Um, and so we do these things to try and sort of set ourselves up as God. And what I'm getting at here is it's good that he's God and that I'm not. Amen. Okay. Because if I'm Jesus and I'm in this boat and I'm hearing these guys squawk about this stupid stuff that, and they're just not getting it, man, I'm going to turn that loaf into about a thousand loaves and they're going to be drowning in that boat <laughs> in, in bread. They're not going to know what to do. They're going to have to dive out of the boat because the bread is just coming out of nowhere. There's the stupidest movie I've ever seen. Uh, you can watch a clip of it on YouTube. Don't waste your time watching the movie ever, okay? But it's called Food Boy. Food Boy. He's got this superpower, okay? And the superpower is that food just shoots out of his body. I mean, it's totally ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. There's a scene where he, he goes into this bathroom and he's sitting on the floor crying and there's just food everywhere because it's just like, it's just like coming out. So the, to me, I'm picturing Jesus like food boy, okay? He's sitting there and it's like these guys are talking and he just gets that. I, I would have that blank stare that'd be like, I'm done with you guys. And then here's your boat full of bread you morons. Um, thank God that I'm not God. Thank God that he's more patient yeah. and compassionate than that, that he, he puts up with all of our stupidity. And when we don't get it and, and we all have those moments uh, and sometimes more than not, you know, but thank, thank you, Jesus, that, that you are patient and compassionate and with we, us. We need each other to be, to encourage yeah. each one another. Uh, to uh, challenge one another, even to rebuke one another once in a while. I, I got to tell on myself here a little confession, but uh, uh, my wife and I uh, have been kind of going through a, you know this, a, a, a difficult time uh, with our health physically, and I've never, never had real big problems with my health. Well, now, uh, you know, I, I just had a hip replacement, my, my right hip. Next week, I go in for my left hip. And it wasn't easy for me, and the recovery is. You made it through the lobotomy, okay? Yeah, the lobotomy. <laughs> Half a brain, uh, Melinda with migraines, and you know, just some difficulty with. I don't want to tell her history, but just difficulty. She got COVID again. Oh yeah. And uh, just suffered through that, and we haven't been to church, like we always have been. I mean, I don't, th I don't think I miss church, you know, for right. seventy. <laughs> And so I haven't been to church and, um, you know, you can, you and I, here you go. I'm going to make somebody feel bad. I don't mean to make people feel bad. And I don't mean to demean online church, but I see the Bible saying, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together 
and all the more as you see the day approaching because we need one another to encourage one another as the day approaches and as the days are getting more and more evil. And we've been watching online every week and uh, our, you know, our church service. But I need flesh. I need skin and um, just someone to uh, encourage me. And, and, and so the other day, I'm over with my grandchildren, my, my daughter's kids, and they've been coming to church with us. And they haven't been to church for a while either. And so the youngest one said, Grandpa, are you going to church Sunday? Are we, are we going to church Sunday? And, and I said, uh, oh, do you like going to church? Oh, yes. I said, do you like Sunday school? Oh, yeah, I really like it. And I went, okay, there you go. There's the effect. There's the secondary effect of not assembling yourself together when you're trying to disciple your grandchildren or your children. They don't understand. Well, you know, grandpa's had a hip replacement and grandpa's, you know, got this and got that and grandma's got this and that. They want to be taken. They want to be discipled. They want to be a part. And uh, so uh, we just need to, I think, the leaven of the Pharisees, the physical thinking of the disciples. Maybe we need to start thinking about the spiritual aspects and the spiritual realities of making excuses. I, I think it's important to Jack, and, and I, I'm speaking to myself here because um, if you go to church and you know you feel out of place or you feel like um, you don't belong or maybe you used to belong and now you're not so sure, and um, making it a community, making it a gathering that, that feels like family and feels like home is a responsibility for all of us, um, myself included. Um, if if I go to a place and I'm there like an empty vessel waiting to be filled, um, I may just leave like an empty vessel waiting to be filled. I need to go there to fill others and to be part of a community and to devote myself to that. We need to be devoted to each other. You know, we're not isolated. We're not living on an island. You know, if you've got a campfire and you kick a log out of the fire, what happens to that log? Well, it doesn't take long for it to go out because by itself, there's nothing there to keep igniting it and keep that flame going. You got to get the logs together. You got to get those coals underneath the logs. You got to get that flame going and keep it going. And the good news is, We've got an everlasting flame that never dies and doesn't need any fuel. It fuels us. And that is the Holy Spirit. That is God in the Spirit in us. And when we see someone new or someone different or someone who doesn't think the way we think or whatever, we need to receive them with love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And rather than judgment, critic, criticism, and, uh, oh, they took my pew today. What is she doing sitting there? That's where I sit. Right. You know, those kinds of attitudes rather than, hey, let's receive everyone with love. And if everyone will come trying to be a blessing rather than being a right. sponge, let's do. 
maybe the church will be more of what the church want needs to be. Right. And uh, yeah, we said, um, you know, that Jesus had compassion and he had patience. Jesus also has vision. He is the king of vision because I'm telling you again, back to the me playing God thing. If I'm God, I'm looking at these 12 guys and I'm thinking, this ain't going to work. How are these guys going to build my kingdom when I'm (laughs) gone? It ain't happening. It was scary. You know, but Jesus had a vision for that. I mean, he chose these 12 guys. I, I, I would have chose 12 people that, kind of had it going on and understood, you know, it's like, um, Hey, how about the little kid that thought to bring the food forward? You know, like that'd be a good idea. Hey, I'm going to take my food and give it to Jesus and see what he can do with it. How about I get that kid and let's start the church with him. Um, but no, Jesus had a vision for these guys because he knew what his spirit was going to do in and through them. He was going to be their leaven not the Pharisees and Herod. He's the one that's going to fill them and grow and spread his kingdom throughout the world and throughout time. All right, let's keep going on here just a bit, Jack. We got Mark chapter 8, verse 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. You know, this is another one of those times when he's taking the person away from where they are. And it's just curious. Um, Then, (laughs) spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? Um, The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. I think that there's a lot of people there, and the more he heals and the more miracle he does, the more the word's getting out and the more volatile world becomes more difficult. But I think that this is a really interesting way that Jesus heals this man. My opinion is he's showing with a physical example, the spiritual heart of especially the disciples, the people. I think that they were still seeing Jesus more like that blind man saw people like trees rather than seeing him clearly. And you need that second touch You need that spiritual touch so that you can see Jesus for who he really is. He has to remove the humanity to see the deity, which, by the way, next chapter, he's transfigured. That's exactly what he does. So that's exactly what's going on, folks. I tell you that this deaf man and this blind man that he healed earlier, both of them got their maladies later in life and both of them needed a touch from Jesus and the similarity was he's using his spittle and touching them the same way which is a little bit different than some of the other ways that he could heal he can heal any way he wants to heal by speaking it or by not even saying anything 
and he can heal them. I, he, he is amazing. But look at this, the sign of seeing. Uh, you know, we see the sign of the leaven. We see the sign of the bread in the feeding of the 4,000. We see the sign of heaven when Jesus says to these Pharisees, you're not going to get a sign. That's what they wanted. The miracles or the signs. And now he's using this unseeing man as a sign to the disciples. You're still not seeing. You're seeing like those people are trees. Receive my touch and let me clear up your sight so that you can see people for exactly who they are. When you see someone who's being obstinate or discouraging or depressing or even mean-spirited, can you see them with the eyes of Christ for who they really are, the brokenness in their life, the need in their life, to see that they need that touch from Jesus so that they can then see clearly and receive the miracle of salvation through the love of Christ. I think this is a, a very, very interesting it's miracle. A, it's here. a beautiful, beautiful passage. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, says that you know, now we see dimly, um, but then we'll see him face to face and we'll know fully, even as we are fully known. Um, so even with the clarity that the disciples got after the gift of the Holy Spirit, still not seeing perfectly. Right. You know, we don't have anything to compare to the vision that we have. And I'm talking about our eyesight, okay? We know that humans don't have the best eyesight. Um, you know, I, I, remember, I remember when I was a kid sort of being jealous when I'm learning about the vision of hawks and eagles and how well they can see things, you know, and how they see things differently. Um, and then you learn about different animals that can see different spectrums that we can, or, or like elephants that can hear uh, lower pitches than, than we can hear. Um, our vision is, is limited, not just physically, but spiritually. And there's going to be a time when we see with even greater clarity, both physically and spiritually, because when all things become new, when we stand in the physical, spiritual, perfect presence of Jesus, we're going to have vision like we've never had vision before. Everything's going to be clear. Right now, it's like we're wading through mud and we got a little bit of film on our eyes and it's really steamy and boggy and you just can't see everything clear. Um, thank God that we have the, the Holy Scripture that, that God has given to us. Thank God that we have each other, that we have the Holy Spirit. But man, how I look forward to that day when we have clarity and can see Him as He sees us. I was thinking when Jesus was hanging on the cross... The Pharisees saw him as a threat. The Pharisees thought, saw him as someone that was going to take their lifestyle away, take their power, take their authority away. And they killed him. The disciples, I think, were still doubting because they weren't there around the cross. Only John was the only disciple that was there around the cross. The rest had fled in fear. But there was one man, two men, 
two men at the cross that saw him clearly. There was a thief hanging on a cross who said to him, you know, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And there was a soldier, right, at the foot of the cross. And his comment was, surely he's the son of God. They saw something. And we want you to see something when you look at Jesus, to look beyond the why question to the how question. How am I going to look at Jesus? How am I going to receive him? How am I going to see him? And if you look honestly through the word, surely you will say, he is the son of God because he gave his all for you and for me. Yeah, our prayer for you today and and for us um, is that we can open our hearts, open our minds, open the word of truth, and that we can see Jesus. Um, and, and our prayer is, too, that, you know, I want people to be able to see Jesus in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't expect anyone to see perfection because it ain't there, obviously. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. No, it's, it's, you know, but I want you to be able to look past all that and see that, that Jesus is here. Amen. Um, I, I'm just touched by that whole thing. And, um, you know, I still feel a measure of blindness in my own life. Um, and like Jesus has touched me uh, once, and I need him to touch me again to make it even clearer. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being patient with us. Um, you know, not like I would have been in the boat with the disciples, but like Jesus <laughs> is. Um, <laughs> we hope that, you, hope that you can see a vision for what uh, we're talking about, because we truly want to help you focus on Amen. Christ. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.